I, I know that feeling where you just you just been stuck and, and maybe it's because of something that you caused. Maybe it's something that, you know, you didn't cause. It's just, it's just whatever, you know, I, but I'm just stuck and I, and I feel helpless and, and, and I don't know, don't know what to do. We say things like I'm stuck in this job. You know, or I'm stuck in this marriage, and we're not, we're not getting along, and, and we're unhappy, and, but we're stuck because of the kids. Or, you know, I, I'm stuck because I've got some health problems, and I, I, can't, I can't do anything. I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just stuck. This is just my life. And this is the last week of this series, and we started this back in February. And in the very first message, I asked the question, I said, how do people change? And what well, we said is you look at by every metric that you look at every study that's ever been done what we learn is they don't change people don't change very easily I mean it's a very difficult process because we just we just don't want to we just don't want to make the steps and we get settled into these patterns and these habits and and they're really hard to break it's hard to pivot your life and my argument through this series has been as we talk about our spiritual health most of us are waiting for God to do something. We feel like we're stuck, and we're, we're putting it all back on God and saying, well, you know, he needs to, he needs to revive us. God needs to do something. And we're, we're waiting very passively, and, and that's why so many of us, we're, we're obsessed with the idea of revival. And we think that that's something that, that you know, we, we want God to do all the work, and we don't really have to do anything. We don't have to change. He'll just show up, and all of a sudden, it's just like we get electrocuted, you know, almost like he's just going to zap us, and, 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 you know, oh, he's just going to revive our, our, our world and revive our land and revive, you know, this, this group of people, and we'll be changed without having to put much effort forward. And I've said that if you're, if you're waiting for God to do something, he's already done it, and God is already doing things, but it's real possible that you're not a part of it. But he's already done the work, and he's doing a great work. The Holy Spirit is already moving. And every week I, that I've said that, every week I, I've, had, uh, I've had different people come up to me and say, yeah, I, okay, I, I hear what you're saying, but, but, have you heard of this revival, or have you heard of this thing that happened, or haven't you heard about so-and-so, that, that there was something that happened 100 years ago, whatever? And I say, yeah, I've heard of those, but my point is this, and, and we're going to see this today. That every time there has been a revival of God's people, every time God has really moved among a, a group of people and they've, you know, you know, something's happened there, it's happened because, yes, God was moving. He is moving all the time. He's moving. But because the people were willing to take a step. Because the people were willing to make the time, to make the space to worship Him. They were willing to obediently follow him. They were willing to call upon his name. See, it wasn't, it's, revival is not a hostile takeover type situation. God's not going to come in and just say, well, here's what's going to happen. Boom, and you don't get a choice. Every time people have been revived, it's because the people were willing to take a step. And this is so important. This is basically the bottom line of this entire series is that people are revived when they respond. We have the truth of God's word. We have the example that Jesus set forth. I mean, that's why we celebrate Easter. It's the, the best part of Easter is what, what we know. We know that there was a man named Jesus who lived, who died. I mean, we've got plenty of, plenty of historical record 
that he, he lived, he died, he was executed by the Roman government, and then something happened to his body. And what we celebrate next week is because we know that he rose from the grave as he said he would. And that he's, he's our Lord and he's our Savior. We've responded to that. Why is it so hard to change? Why is it so difficult for people to make those pivots, to get unstuck? It's so much easier to stay in a rut. It is so much easier to continue to do the things that we've been doing than it is to try something different. Uh, we, we stay in a rut physically, spiritually, relationally. We, what takes the least amount of effort, that's the thing that we'll keep doing. And we say, well, I wish, I wish I had a better marriage. I wish I was a better parent. See, that's what a lot of us fantasize about when we... In those moments where we, we, we're glad that nobody can see what we're thinking about, our fantasies, they're all really based in wishing. You know, I wish that my life, and we compare, I wish that I looked more like this. I wish that my life or my experiences or my relationships, I wish they looked more like that person because that looks so, so much better. I wish I could do those things. I wish I was more successful. I wish I could play an instrument. I wish I could, have some, could save some money. Now, I wish I could get in shape. I wish I felt closer to God. Wishing is not going to get you anywhere. Fantasizing is not going to get you anywhere. Responding will. When you take a step, that, that is going to set your life on a course that's going to lead somewhere better. That's why I've been saying if you're waiting for God to move, he's already moving. It's time for you to move. So Mark chapter 10 and verse 46 is what it says. Jesus with his disciples, it says they reached Jericho. And as he and his, uh, Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see and Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. I want you to notice a few things from that. Number one, you notice this, guys, we kind of just read that. We just kind of read through that whole story. But you notice at the very beginning his posture. What's he doing? He's sitting beside the road. That's what he did day in and day out. That was this guy's life. His entire existence was getting up in the morning, going and sitting beside the road, begging. That was his life. That was his, that's who he was, just waiting. I've heard that the difference between a grave and a rut is the length. That's the only difference. Uh, if you don't take the first step, you're going to get stuck in a rut. 
You get stuck in a pattern. And the only difference between a rut and a grave is the length. If you don't move forward in faith, you'll die. If, you're, if we're not trusting, your, your heart grows cold. We, we grow more distant from God. I think that's uh, something that all of us struggle with at different points. You know, it's just, almost, you know life goes through seasons. And I think our, our relationship with God can go through seasons also. And there are times where we feel like we're in a drought. You know, like a desert. It just feels like, man, I just, everything just feels difficult. And, and, and then there are moments where it's like mountaintops, you know, where it's just like, man, this can't possibly get any better. You know, I feel like I'm on this spiritual high and God has really moved in my life. And, you know, we, we know those moments too, but it's, we, can't, we don't ever get to stay there. Just like we don't stay in the valley. But, but one of the issues I, I, I find that we all run into, we're going through those difficult seasons. I know... Some of us, that, that's where we are right now. We're in this dry, arid season where it just feels like, I don't even know if God is even there. What do you do in those moments? What do you do when, you just, when your faith feels like it's thin? i tell you one of the things I do is I have to, I have to constantly remind myself of, of the truth that I know. And one of those things for me is I love in the book of Romans, it says that, that uh, God's invisible qualities are clearly seen through what has been created so that men are without excuse. What that means is when we look at when we look at creation, we look at everything around us, and I love this time of the year, spring. You see and things start to bud and blossom and bloom, and of course it's the season of mud too, because all the rain, but I know that it's gonna be worth it because in a couple of weeks, everything's gonna be gorgeous. And all your allergies, your eyes are gonna be all puffy, that too, but but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be worth it. But I love it because I'm seeing things change. And I'm just looking at creation. What the book of Romans tells us is that when you just look at it, you can see the qualities of God. And I think about the things that we know. What are the things that we know about the created world, you know, the, the universe? You, look at, you can look in a telescope way out into space and see galaxies and stars and, and, and planetary systems and these things that, just, that operate in perfect motion. Everything working in, in perfect, I mean, just synchronized. It's just the, the way it works is amazing. And then you look into the, the tiniest cell. We have the ability with microscopes to look into the, the particles that make up everything. And to see just the, the, the smallest, the smallest, tiniest little cell. The amount of information that is within that cell. How? How is that possible that we can have so much complex information in such a simple little cell, where did that begin? Where, where did that information come from? I'm never going to believe that it's just here by random chance. That out of billions of years of, of, of just stuff happening, that it just happened to be here. I just don't buy that. I believe that with information and design, there is a designer. And that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and lived and he showed us who our father is and, and all of us are obsessed with trying to figure God out and we a lot of us think that we have and, and a lot of us we, we grew up in church I, I struggle with this because I that's part of my story I grew up in church and so I'm tempted to believe that I think I know what what God thinks and I, I think I know how God feels about this issue or that issue or these things and so I pretty much got him in my little box and he's the God that I want him to be and then I'm reminded every so often that his ways are so much higher than my ways. And his thoughts are not my thoughts. 
He's always surprising me. And this is one of those stories of this, this blind Bartimaeus. Just looking at the, the flow of what happens here and, and, and the faith that this guy has. He's not going to take no for an answer. You know, a lot of us, we're, we're waiting for God to do something and we're frustrated because God's not operating on our time schedule. We're aiming for something, but we're never pulling the trigger. It's time to take the step. I, I read this quote at the beginning of this series. I think it's worth repeating. It's from a, guy, a theologian named Dallas Willard. It says, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, we, we fail to commit. We just don't commit to the kind of life that will produce the action that we know is right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is, this is the feature of human character. He's like, this is what's wrong with us, is what he's trying to get at. See, this is, this is what our main problem is. And this is why the road to hell, you've heard this quote, this is why the road to hell is paved with good intentions because we intend to do what's right. I set out to do what's right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. I just can't seem to get there. Why am I stuck? Why am I like the boy with his head through the bars? This guy, Bartimaeus, this is why I love this story. He knew Jesus was coming. Every day he'd get up, he'd sit by the roadside, and he's begging. But the easiest, I think about this guy, and I try to put myself in his shoes. What would I have done? The easiest thing he could have done, the path of least resistance, would have been to sit there and say nothing. And wait for Jesus to come up to him. And that is what a lot, I'm convinced that that is what most of us are doing. We are waiting for God to do something, and I'm not doing anything. I'm expecting God to see me and, and take the steps and do all the work, and I don't have to do anything. We're just sitting on the roadside of life. We're never making an effort. And then we have the, the audacity to get angry with God because he doesn't seem to be moving mountains in our lives. Have we even asked him to? Have we called on him? Have we, are we taking any steps toward him? I was talking to a guy a few years ago. This guy... Uh, Love him, love him to death. But he was mad as a hornet. I mean, this guy is just, he is angry because he kept getting passed over for promotions at work. And so he's mad at his boss because, you know, the boss keeps promoting people. He's like, there's people that I trained and they've been here less time than I've been here. And they keep getting promoted. So he's mad at his boss. He's mad at his co-workers because, you know, they, maybe they should say something. Well, why don't you promote him? And he was mad at God. He's like, why was God letting all this happen? Why doesn't God do something? Why I'm being ignored and this isn't right? And so I'm, I'm listening, I'm letting him vent, you know, and I'm listening to this story, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I can see why you're frustrated. Yep, yep, that's, yeah, that's, that's difficult. And then I asked him, I said, well, let me ask you. I said, have you, have you said anything? Have you asked to be considered for the next promotion? And he said, well, I mean, no, but they should know. And I said, ah, there it is. You haven't made any movement. You haven't taken a step. There's, there's no hustle. You're, you're just sitting back. You're sitting, you know, and for this story, you're sitting on the roadside. You're waiting. Here in Mark 10, here's a guy that he would not take no for an answer. It's hard to imagine what his life would have been like. Because in his day, you think, okay, you're blind. You, you, you have to rely on the generosity of people passing by the road for you to live. Because there's no disability. There's no disability payments. There's no, you know, I mean, this is basically a death sentence. He was left to do the only thing that he could do, which was to stand there with his arms out. 
hoping that somebody's going to drop something in his hands, just waiting for something to happen. And that's where a lot of us are. We're waiting, we're wishing, we're wondering why can't things be different, wondering why God won't do this, that, or the other, why won't he revive us. There's a few really important things that this guy does, though. Number one is he, he called out to Jesus. When he knew Jesus was there, you look at that verse again, it says that he, he knows, okay, he's heard, okay, the, the rumbling of the crowd. He knows, oh, there's Jesus. And he shouts, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy. Everybody says, hey, shut up, be quiet, be quiet. And it says he only shouted louder. Sometimes that's one of the most powerful things we can do is just call out to God. And I, I know that sounds intimidating for some of us. Because we're, we're so hung up on, am I going to know the right things to say? Like, I'm not a very good prayer. I don't pray publicly. And I, 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 don't, I don't know the words. I don't know, you know, there's a lot of things in Scripture that I don't understand. And so I don't know how, how to even approach God. How do I pray? You know, one of the most powerful prayers you can ever say is just, just this simple. I mean, he says, have mercy on me, which is to say, help. Just help. Help me. I, I don't even know what I need, but I know who you are. Can you help me, please? That's a, that's a powerful prayer that can be intimidating, but I love this. I love the simplicity here. It's not more than just a few words. Have mercy on me. And then there's something else that he does. He, he sheds off his old life. Look at verse 50. It says that when Jesus said, hey, bring that guy over here. Let, let him come over here. It says that he threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. Where do you run when you need help? We all run somewhere. Are we running to the right place? Now, as I was reading this passage and preparing, you know, every week when I'm, when I'm preparing, I always try to find at least one thing that I'm like, okay, let's dig into that. Why is that there? So I'm reading this this past week, and I, I thought, okay, why, what about, why does it say he threw aside his coat? Like, that's a weird thing to include. Why does Mark think that's important for us to know? It's not like he said, hey, he got up and put on his shoes you know, it's just like such a random little detail. Why, why is that? I get the jumping up thing. Like, okay, he's ready, you know, he's ready to go. But why does it say that he threw aside his coat? Well, I did a little digging, and I did not know this. But in his day, if you were disabled, the government would issue you a coat. And so what would happen? You'd go apply and they would check you out and say, yeah, okay, yeah, you're disabled. So they would give you this coat, and it did a couple of things. Number one, it would protect you from the elements, right? Because they know they're probably going to be living outside. They're, so the rain, the sun, all that sort of thing is kind of a you know, little, little bit of protection. But the second thing that it did was it was everybody who saw you and saw that coat, they knew that, oh, you're legit. It's kind of like a license to beg. It's like the government has approved me. So I'm allowed to sit here and ask you to help me. It really kind of sealed his identity as a beggar, destitute. And did you catch his name in verse 46? He looked, backtracked just a little bit more. It says that a beggar named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, he didn't have much of a name. His name it means son of Timaeus. He's just somebody's son. Somebody's son, somebody, uh, it doesn't say anything about him as an individual. He was just Bartimaeus the beggar, the man with no name and with nothing to his name. And the government has already given him the coat. They've already labeled him. This is who you are. 
And that's a reminder you have nothing to offer and you have no purpose. It declared to everybody who and what he was. And the very first thing that he does, Jesus calls him, have him come over here. You look at it, this is too important to miss. It says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped. He said, well, tell that guy to come here. So, he, so they called the blind man. They said, well, cheer up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Get up. He's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. The very first thing he does, he throws off his labels. That's the first thing he did. Jesus called him. He does, he does not come to Jesus as a beggar. He comes to Jesus as a man who is responding. I want to take a step. I'm not coming to you with excuses. He did not come before Jesus and say, I'm just a poor blind beggar and I I don't have anything and look how disabled I am. Look at my coat. Look at the situation I am. He's not going to let his past or his hang-ups or his excuses, oh, I wish things could be better, get in the way. I love Hebrews chapter 12 because I think it gives us a glimpse of that same kind of mentality. It says, since we're surrounded, you think about your life and your walk with God. It says, listen, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. People are watching you. Even heaven's watching you. We're surrounded by all these witnesses at all times. So let's throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles. You know the stuff that we're hung up by and the things that we keep blaming and say, well, you know, but my, I had a hard childhood. We can't let that get in the way. Or, you know, I just, I I just wasn't set up to succeed. Or, you know, I just, I got these problems. I got these, you know, temptations. It's just, it's just so overwhelming. Scripture says, throw that off. Get rid of it. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's what this guy does. He he doesn't say, he doesn't come up and say, oh, please have mercy on me because I'm so poor and pathetic. He comes before Jesus and he says, help me, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be defined by this. I want to respond to you. I'm ready to take the step. Where we want to, where are we going, Jesus? I'm going to go with you. And the very next movement, he calls out, he shed his old identity and now he trusted him. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want from me? And he says, Rabbi. Teacher, I want to see. And Jesus said, well, go. Your faith has healed you. You trusted me. You've walked where I've asked you to walk. He says, now, and then instantly the man could see. And the next thing he does, he follows Jesus down the road. You notice the difference in this guy's posture. Beginning of the story, he's sitting by the roadside. He's waiting. At the end, he's following. He's walking with the Lord. At the beginning, he's, he's hopeless, he's stuck, he's just like some of us. But something happened in his life, he encountered Jesus, and it changed him. And now he's following. He says, wherever you're going, I'm going. I've left the old life behind. Which of those two phrases describe your life? Is it sitting by the road, taking it easy, just waiting, trying to, trying to have a nice, peaceful, easy life? Or are we... Actively following Christ. Say, wherever you're going, I'm going. Where where do you you want from me? What do you want from my life? Which of those two lifestyles do you think is more fulfilling? Which one leads to to greater joy? There's only one way to follow Jesus on the road, and and, and there's only one way to being revived. You've got to take the next step. You've got to take the next step. You've got to respond. You've got to call out to Jesus. You shed off the old life, and you trust him. 
Faith is so much more than believing. The scripture says that even the demons believe and they shudder. Faith is more than just believing. It's more than saying, yeah, I, I believe in God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I go to church sometimes. That's, that's not faith. Faith is more than just thinking or talking or having convictions about Jesus. Faith is action. When we say, I have faith in God, it means something. It means something about the way I live my life. It's not what I believe, it's what I do. The Bible says in James 2, verse 14, if people say they have faith, but they do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. It's action. This blind man, he had to have the faith to get up. To be willing to throw off the old label. To say, I don't need this anymore because I know who you are. I'm not going to rely on this anymore. I'm going to trust you. And this is my point is that people are revived when they respond. People are revived when they respond. We can't just wait. God is already moving. He's moving all over the world. I'm encouraged. I, I, you know, you, you read stories, some of which, you know, never going to make the you know, major news outlets, but about things that are happening in little corners and pockets of the world. I've always been encouraged by even in some of these really oppressive nations where you, you'd be killed. I mean, if you own a Bible, they're going to they're gonna throw you in jail or they're going to kill you. And how people are converting to Christ, they're becoming Christians. I mean, nations that are overwhelmingly uh, Islamic, you know, very, very oppressive towards Jesus or towards, you know, Christianity, and people that are turning to Christ because they had a dream, because, you know, they'll describe this, thing, well, Jesus came to me in a dream, or I heard this or that, I mean, the amazing stories, like, wow, God is moving, he's doing things, and we see it, but, but, but we're waiting, and we're just sort of passive, and like, well, why isn't he doing anything in my life, and he's calling you to take the next step, jump up, throw aside your labels, get rid of the coat, and follow me. Take the step. You know, we're, we feel like we're powerless. We feel like our life is going nowhere because we're just sitting by the roadside. What if we, what if we could have the faith? You know, we feel like we're stuck with our head in between the bars, right? That, that kid. What if we had the faith instead of just keep trying to pull back? If we had the step, the faith to step forward. If we say, you know, because this is our problem. We're just like that blind guy. We can't see. We can't see what God is doing right in front of us very often. Jesus has already done the work. He's already purchased our salvation. And the offer stands. We don't have to do anything else. He doesn't have to do anything else. We just have to step toward him. We just have to accept the gift that he's made, that he offers to us, then we have hope and purpose and we can live with contentment and peace. But in order to do that, we have to throw aside our coats. We have to get rid of our excuses. We have to get rid of all of the, 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 the little things that we, we keep running back to. You know those broken wells? That we keep going back to looking for happiness, looking for something that's going to satisfy. We've got we to quit going there. 
and understand that if we're going to be revived, we've got to take a step and follow. And I mean really follow. Something's got to change. And we've got to step into that change. You know, we, we think about what today means. Historically, this is Palm Sunday. And we celebrate, okay, this is the day that Jesus came riding on a donkey. He came into to Jerusalem and everybody's, oh, here, yeah, we're excited. Here he is. And just a few days later, they're calling for him to be crucified. And, and what I think about that is how fickle we are. That, that's what Palm, to me, that's what Palm Sunday, in my mind, is, is look how fickle people can be. One day we're praising him, oh, yeah. And the next day, we're so angry we can't, we're just seeing red. I know that you might be here today, and maybe, maybe I'm talking to somebody right now that you are so angry at God right now, you just, I mean, you just can't even stand it. Maybe you feel like your faith is hanging by the tiniest thread. And maybe you are on the mountaintop. Praise God for that. We're, we're excited. I'm glad that you're there. But no matter where we are, just let's recognize that we're kind of like sheep. Jesus said that. We're kind of like sheep. We're easily spooked. We have a tough time with direction. It's hard, you know, we're, we're, sometimes we trust in things we shouldn't, and other times we don't trust in things that we should. But we have this good shepherd, and he's calling us, just like he did for this blind man. He said, hey, come here. Do we have the faith to get up, throw aside the labels, and follow? I pray that we will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you, you, have, uh, you have done the work. Jesus gave his life. We, we have the, the hope of forgiveness and salvation. Everything that we, our heart longs for is, is right in front of us. Help us, Lord, to, to have enough faith to trust you to follow you even when doubts enter our minds and life takes a turn we weren't expecting help us lord to be able to to have enough grit and determination to stay in step with you lord a lot of us are we're unhappy in our lives unhappy in relationships unhappy with uh, just where life is going help us lord to have the the strength to take the steps so that it could be redeemed. Lord, help us to, to not be people who give up, but that we would be people who, who go the extra mile, that we would be people who do the hard work so that we are willing to plant the seeds to, to reap the harvest. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Can't wait to see you next week.